It is Wednesday, April the 17th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cuff and AFL Podcast. I'm Will Anderson. Uh, and I'm Charlie Clawson. And your cat church decided to speak right as we, we started rolling. She basically lunged towards either the microphone or my neck <laughs> just as we were about to do the intro. So I don't know if she was trying to avert. Um, I don't know if that's a sign, uh, you know, that uh, she's a cat. Mm. Um, I've been on the cats. Yeah. The cat stumbled on the weekend. Yeah. Maybe there's some sort of like, you know, theme coming through here. Yeah, she's devastated, devastated by the loss. Um, what a weekend of football, Will. High scoring, action packed. <laughs> All the big teams performed. Oh, man, I, I think at one stage, and I don't actually know the details, I didn't go through, but at one stage I think I was barracking for Gold Coast just so I could get a tip right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a horrible place in my life, Charlie, where I'm where I'm rooting for the Gold Coast to get across the line just so I can get one tip. It is a strange kind of time to be a football fan because <clears throat> I guess like... We sort of talked about equalization as this great ideal in football. Like we want to make our code the most equal code there is. But I, I don't think we anticipated that this is what it might mean. <laughs> that coaches get ultra conservative, games become very locked down. You know, sure, like Gold Coast and the Saints and Frio are in the top eight, but at what cost? Yeah, exactly. At what cost to the overall competition, Charlie? You know, what happened to the good old days where you could go to the footy and see your team win by 150 points? That's actually what we like to support us. We just wish we were the bullies. Yeah. We didn't want equalization. We just wanted to be the people on top of the pile. Yeah, like, I mean, in wrestling world, there's a thing called a squash match, which is when they want to get a, t- a wrestler over, they'll put him up against some local wrestler, some no-name guy, and just have this guy get hammered for five minutes so the audience can cheer. I think a bit of that is missing from the AFL these days. Where are our squash matches? Yeah, well, maybe that's how Tasmania gets a team. We say to Tasmania, <laughs> look, you can have a team in the competition, but... I got to be honest with you. There is one clause. Yeah, you're the Washington Generals. Yeah, we're, we're calling you the Launceston Generals. Yeah, and your role the is the Launceston Cannon just Fodder. Be... Exactly, you're the cannon fodder. You're the um, you're, your skins in our little game of shirts and skins that we'll be playing every weekend. And your job is to solely stand in the right spot so someone from the other team can take a hanger on your shoulders. Speaking of hangers... Like, you know, if the ball's coming into the 50-metre line, you know, it's kicked up in the air, three of the opposition players run yeah. into the spot and just slightly bend over, <laughs> like, presenting their backs. <laughs> the most browbeaten players. Like, that's how you set up... Because, you know, people will say, it's going to be hard to set up a team in Tassie because how do you get players there? Well, they do the psychological testing. You just pick the guys with the lower self-esteem. <laughs> Send them down to Tassie. The people who are most easy, easily broken, the most submissive players on the lists. Get them all to Tassie. Yeah, well, you know, there's some players who play that extra year searching for a premiership. Mm. This is the opposite. Yeah. These, this is for the players who are never going to get this premiership and have resigned themselves to the fact that they're perennial losers. And now they will just join a band of perennial losers and, you know, be the wind beneath the wings, um, you know, of the rest of the competition. Uh, how did you feel about the dogs on the weekend? Wasn't an inspiring game. One big highlight, Hayden Crozier's no. grab. Yeah, that was good, and Bontempelli got 36 touches, played yeah, a really a magnificent game of football, and 
I don't know. Like, it, I think it was probably fine. Mm. Like, you know, at the start of the season, if you told me we would that be that competitive, you know, with a team that was one kick away from the Premiership, then you'd be like, well, that, that feels like a pretty good zone for us to be in. But I don't know. It, it, it feels like it's pretty realistic in that, like, there's some optimism at the Bulldogs. But, like, I said at the start of the season that English, we'd struggle with our big fellas because we don't have enough big fellas. And, wow, like... Poor old uh, Tim English, like playing against Grundy in that match. It was, I mean, he looked like he was playing for the the Launceston Cannon Potter. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's literally, Tim English was doing an audition to be the captain of the Launceston Cannon Potter. Now, this is a controversial opinion, but uh, Crozier is Mark. I don't think, I mean, it's a Mark, clearly. But in terms of being like this mark of the year contender, I was not happy with the way he brought it to ground. Like he barely hung on to it. He he was pressing it against his hip bone to bring it to ground. I don't think it matters because it's not going to win mark of the year. There's already been a couple of better marks than that this year, I reckon. Um, but I'm a bit with like I the NBA rules when it comes to this, which is we're not judging at the Olympics. Yeah, it's not the fucking diving or the you know if you get most of the mark if you. You should get some points. You should get some points taken off how long you have to hold on to the mark mm. versus how high you've gone up or how spectacular the attempt is in the first place. Yeah. Like if somebody just kicks the ball to you and you're you're on your own and it's like 20 metres away as a drop punt, you should have to hold that like a good three seconds for that to be a mark. Whereas if you've jumped on somebody's shoulders and you're falling through the air, <laughs> I'm happy to like, yeah, take a third off that time. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, with all the commentary around it, because commentators are prone to kind of hyperbole and, you know, that's a mark of the year or whatever. But I feel like with the commentary around that, I started hearing a phrase I've never heard before where they said, and I'm not sure if this is the exact phrase, but it's like, that would be the club leader for mark of the year in the sense that we'll probably see some better marks, but for the Bulldogs, that is mark of the year so far. Did you notice that? People talking about that's for a club, that is mark of the year? Well, Norton's taken a couple of decent marks this year already. Like... There's actually been a couple of good Bulldogs marks. I don't know if down at the clubs, do you think these commentators are just using hyperbole or down at the club, do they have like a club leader? Is there like a board? I'm not sure. Where like, you know, they have a picture of Aaron Norton's mark from a couple of weeks ago. And then after the game, after they've done sort of, if you win, after you've sung your song and like, you know, drenched everyone in Gatorade, they go over to the board where all the club leaders are and they replace the picture of Aaron Norton's mark with a picture of uh, Crozier's mark. Well, that's what... Eddie Maguire did when Jeremy Howe didn't win Mark of the Year because the public voted for Joe Danaher. They gave him their own Collingwood special Mark of the Year thing. So maybe that started the trend. <laughs> like, fuck it. You know, we, why don't clubs start giving their own Brownlows away as well? Their own premierships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you know this, guys, but last year, Lockie uh, Hunter won the Norm Smith medal. <laughs> At the Bulldogs. Yeah. The Bulldogs Norm Smith medal. Yeah, you should just do it after the intra club every year. Hand out like premiership medallions, Norm Smith medal. Uh, you can do a lap of the oval afterwards. Get a little cup. Well, maybe that's a way to bring people back to the the JLT or puts yeah intra club matches like you're saying, Charlie. Yeah, you make them all shields. So each of the games has like a medal and yes. a shield, like the big games might have during the season, but you're loaded into the preseason matches. So it's like, you know, round one of the intra-club, 
you know, is the uh, Robert Murphy, Luke Darcy shield because, you know, one day in an intra club match, you know, Luke Darcy punched out Robert Murphy. Yeah. And like, there's a, like, there's a picture of that, him like punching out Bob Murphy and it's on a shield and everybody's playing for the, you know, the Bob Duke medal. Did that actually happen? Yeah. Luke Darcy punched out Rob Murphy. Yeah, in an intra club match. Like, for what reason and what year did this happen? Um, I think, now, I can't remember if it was uh, Rocket Eid. I think probably Rocket. Yeah, it sounds like the kind of coach who would allow two players to punch on in a preseason game. Well, I was going to say it was either Terry Wallace or Rocket Eid. And I was like, both of them have potential to let two players punch on the (laughs) intra club match preseason. But I think it was uh, Rocket. And I think if I remember this correctly, that Dars had sort of, you know, been revved up by Rocket to go out there and sort of, you know, give it to some of his teammates and whatever. And he may have, may have over-calculated, may have put a little uh, cherry on the top of that uh, Mr. Whippy ice cream that it, perhaps he didn't need to but by also, punching out the most popular player at the club, who also at that stage was like a 17-year-old kid. A toothpick. I mean, you're getting your Ruckman and getting him to punch out a toothpick. Here we go. Uh, the Luke Darcy incident. Oh, Let's right. see if I can uh, find this. Um, Bob Murphy's written an article. Of course he has. So this will be the 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 best written and constructed yeah. bit of content fir- that has ever been on this the show. The first four paragraphs will be commenting on the, the way the morning started, the way the light was hitting his face before he walked down to get his coffee. It was the best of times. <laughs> it was the worst of times, he begins. <laughs> Call me Bob. Uh at the end, of, okay, I'm going to read it and let's see how Bob it is. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's long enough that I can read the whole thing, I think. At the end of 2004, the Bulldogs went through another upheaval and a change of coach. Peter Rode made way for Rodney Rocketeed. During that preseason, Rocket brought with him a new optimism and a game style that was full of run and adventure. But he did have a darker side. Oh. Good first paragraph. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sex clubs. He used to frequent <laughs> sex clubs in a bulldog's leather mask, dressed as a bulldog. Wow. They've got a bit of eyes wide shut for all of a sudden. Um, uh, but he did have a darker side. Before an intra-club practice match, he took two of his experienced warriors, Luke Darcy and Scott West, aside for a chat. It was more of a clandestine plan than tea and sympathy. Uh, Rocket's instructions for his two henchmen were to start a bit of trouble out there today. I want to see how these young boys handle the heat in the kitchen. (laughs) All words to that effect. If only I'd known this meeting took place, dot, dot, dot. Oh, geez. He is a good writer. I will say that. He is a very good writer. In the early part of this infamous intra-club match, Das and I started up a verbal battle. We were good mates, and this is how often it is with good mates in a footy club. You push each other's buttons. I'd observed in my rookie year that Tony Liberatore and Jose Romero would sometimes tease Das by calling him Bambi. (laughs) All right, this is great already. The inference was that he was a gangly mess of arms and legs who was prone to falling over too easily. (laughs) And his mother got shot. Yeah, his mother got shot. That was actually the thing that they didn't know. Yeah. They were getting into him and calling him Mammy, and the whole time Das was devastated because his mother had been shot in a forest. <laughs> it seemed to get under his skin. Yeah, because they murdered his mother in a forest. <laughs> Subconsciously, I put that bit of information in my top pocket. 
Five years later, with the verbal jabs going back and forth between Darst and I, I reached into that top pocket and played my Bambi trump card. Did I get under his skin? Did I get a response? Yes, I suppose you could say that. Um, after the ball had gone through the point at the Barclay Street end of the Witten Oval, someone kicked it back into play. Darst and I had only just stopped our verbal war. I turned my attention to the play, but before I knew it, I was down. I'd been knocked out. When I came to some minutes later, I was sat on the interchange dugout just in front of where the old Hyde Street band used to play. Bizarrely, I was mid-conversation with a local one-eyed Bulldog supporter known to me as Doc. Doc wasn't that parochial per se. He literally had one eye. (laughs) The other was covered with a patch. What? So he's been knocked out by Luke Darcy and he's woken up talking to a pirate. (laughs) (laughs) Are you okay, Bob? (laughs) Arr! How do you think the... How do you think the Bulldogs are fair? <laughs> Don't this worry. Year. We'll make him walk the plank. Do you, we'll... <laughs> do you think we'll walk the premiership plank? <laughs> oh, that DRC. <laughs> um, I had no long. I had no idea how long I'd been sitting in the dugout chatting with Das. It was a different time with Doc. It was a different time. Instinctively, I knew it was Das who had knocked me out. I had poked the bear, or rather, I had poked Bambi. Darst still claims to this day that he ran up behind me and tried to round arm me to the chest and he just mistimed it. He mistimed it all right. His fist clocked me on the chin and I went down like a knackered lift. <laughs> while the, while, <laughs> whilst, the, whilst the game was still going, I wandered into the old locker room, stood on Darst's locker seat and scrawled a single word above his number 14. What, what was the word, Charlie? What was the word that Bob Murphy scrawled? Above Darcy's number 14 on his locker room. Lawsuit. (laughs) (laughs) Ongoing concussion symptoms. Coward. Oh. Coward. Gee, that takes it out of the kind of like on-field banter into something deeper. Coward. Yeah, right. It stayed there until the club redevelopment in 2008. A few weeks after the incident, we held a kangaroo court in front of the entire playing group and coaching staff. I love it. I entered the... Lord of the Flies. I entered the mock courtroom with crutches. They had a kangaroo court down at the kangaroos. They all yeah. they have a bulldog court. Um, I entered the mock courtroom with crutches, a neck brace, and some lead pencil shading under one eye. <laughs> I mean, this is mad Monday come early. I was going to say, like, are you guys, like, you realise you're a professional sporting club. You should be training. Yeah, we've got a team of coaches. We've got the kicking coaches. We've got the forwards coaches. We've got the backs coaches. Okay, obviously, we've got our drama coaches. Yeah, drama Turks. Uh, We've got our musical. Yeah, our drama Turks. (laughs) No wonder you guys didn't win a premiership Uh, until 2016. I had really taken a beating and it drew warm favour from the jury. But things turned sour in the cross-examination for me. Inexplicably, inexplicably, Das was completely exonerated at the end of the trial. His defense of Bob deserved it and we've all wanted a game (laughs) at some point. (laughs) Turned the jury into a bloodthirsty mob. (laughs) They loved it. (laughs) That's great. I, like, I I just imagine this now like a scene from Law and Order. Yeah. And they're there in the courtroom and like Bob's there and he's like neck brace with the bruise under his eye and his crutches and his lawyer's done their summation and then Darcy's just got up there and gone, I'm no fancy <laughs> lawyer. 
<laughs> no, he's representing but, representing himself, speaking from the heart. I've chosen to represent myself. Yeah. Bob deserves it, and we've all wanted to get him at some point. Yeah. And everyone's just like, bravo. <laughs> 12 angry men. Uh, they loved it. The evidence was more or less ignored. I lost the unlosable case. I still can't believe it. Das and I laugh about the incident to this day. Oh, it was a different time. Oh, that's a great article. I love a it bit is. of a preseason punch up. Do you remember when, uh, I think it was a few years ago, Carlton, probably more than 10 years ago, when, do you remember Sintata O'Halpin, the Irish player, when he yeah. got into a punch on with one of the Cloak brothers and kicked him while he's on the ground? <laughs> kicked him? <laughs> like something you're not allowed to do even to an opposition player, yeah. <laughs> let alone one of your own players. Just kicked him. Not an island now, mate. Not Riverdance. No, look at Michael Flatley over here. Just, I mean, we've had a lot of success with uh, Irish people coming over here and, and integrating into the game. Sintata O'Halpin, that, that's, a, that's a curiosity. I want, can you, Michael, I don't even know how to spell this guy's name, <laughs> but he was an Irish player who played for Carlton, then GWS or Gold Coast, I think it was. His name was Sintata. Can you look that up? O'Halpin. Sintanta? 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 Oh, Sintanta? Sakata. Sintata? <laughs> Sakata. No, no. How do you? It's Sintata. Oh, it's oh, Sintata, Sintata, wasn't it? Or Sintanta. Santana. Sintanto? <laughs> Sonoma. Sintata O'Halpin. Uh, all right, look, I'll, I'll see if I can look it up. Sintata Sintata O. <laughs> nah, my, my Google won't even help me out here. Um, Sinata? Sinata. 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 Okay. Oh, oh, I got it. Here oh, we go. Oh, my God. The third, the third search on Google is Sinata helping Cameron Cloak. <laughs> okay. Beautiful. Run us through it. All right. Okay. So this is an article. This was 2009, 10, exactly 10 years ago. This is from um, February 7th, 2009. Uh, in the Herald Sun, Jackie Epstein reporting. Cameron Cloak says he holds... By the way, this is very on brand because I don't know if you saw this, but this week the Herald Sun did a two-day you know, deep dive into the Buddy Franklin trade and how that mm. all went down. And it was like you know, four pages <laughs> over two days. And it was kind of a look back at a time in history and recreating the moments and stuff. And I feel like that's how we started today's podcast, Charlie. We've got to the uh, part of the year where we're reflecting on 10 years ago and taking people on a little <laughs> where were you? football memory lane. Well, what do you want to Do you want to hear from Cameron Cloak or Sintata? Or do you want to hear from both? We'll hear from both, right? Both. But, I, but obviously when we hear from uh, Sintata, <laughs> no. we obviously he's... All right. I mean, he's Irish, yeah. Charlie, so... Of course. Okay. All right. Well, let's hear from uh, Sintata first, and then uh, Cameron can get the right reply. <laughs> okay. This is from the Courier-Mail, um, June 6, 2009. So this was later on in the year. Satanta, Satanta, oh my God, Satanta, Satanta talks about that infamous kick. Satanta. Satanta. Satanta, Satanta. Satanta talks about that infamous kick. On the eve of his 50th AFL game, Carlton Satanta O'Halpin has broken his silence over the preseason brain fade that saw him assault a teammate, Cameron Cloak. O'Halpin lashed out at Cloak during an intra-club match at Vizzy Park on February 6th, first with his fists and then with his boot while Cloak was on the ground. <laughs> now... now- can we just pause for just for one second? Because yeah. Mike Hell has actually put up the link to the incident. Okay, should we watch so it? So I'm actually, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, here we go. All right. Oh, hang on. Is that a young Basil Zemplis there? No, who's that? No, it's not. Um, all right, I'm going to have a look. All right. 
He went with Satanta, this newsreader. Punch. Oh, I think we've, I think we've missed the most important bit of this story, to be honest, Charlie, which is that he doesn't just kick him while he's down. He kicks him fair between his legs. He goes in between his legs from behind. Oh, yeah, right. Kicks, kicks him the date. full on in the nuts. <laughs> like, he doesn't kick him on the outside of his leg. He kicks him full on straight through the middle in a way that Satanta O'Helpen was rarely able to do on the ground through the goals. It's- he completely... Maybe that was what he claimed later on. He was like, I wasn't aiming for the nuts. I sprayed it. Uh, I helped and lashed out at Cloak during an intra-club match at Visi Park on the sixth, February 6th, first with his fist, then with his boot while Cloak was on the ground. And then, as you say in brackets, you should say right in the date. Yep. The 26-year-old's moment of madness drew widespread criticism from sports fans, uncomfortable with the fact that he kicked a teammate. Now, Halpin was just as shocked by his reaction, explaining this week that they were the actions of a frustrated young man. Twas the result of two and a half years of frustration, true injury, where my head was telling me to do something and my body wasn't able to do it, he said. I lost a lot of power in both my legs. Uh, despite the 16 scans, nothing could be done uh, until Mike, Dr. Michael Denton discovered blocked arteries behind both knees. <laughs> <laughs> so I did get very frustrated and that led to my actions against Cloakie, which I can't take back. It was definitely a bang out of order. The boot was something I definitely shouldn't have done. You have to look at it from a club's perspective. Our fans, kids growing up wanting to be AFL players, to see someone doing that, it's just not right. It's not the game. I was very frustrated young man who let my anger get the better of me. I would like to think that I'd never let anything happen like that again. He can deal with the fact that he punched Cloak, claiming that it's part of the game at any AFL club and happens regularly enough over the years. He's not proud of it, but he can deal with it. Ah, oh, the punching happens. I rang Cameron and apologised. I was just so upset the way I reacted. <laughs> this is so racist. And look, my mother was Irish. I feel terrible about this. I lost a lot of respect in the football community and with my, with my teammates, but I like to think that I'm building at the moment. <laughs> Are Cameron and I best friends? No. Because you don't. You, because you only have two to three really close, close friends at the club. But we're fine now. There are no hard feelings. People do bring it up and say it's in the past. But I know it's going to come up. So whether I do it now or in three years, I'll have to deal with it. He chose to deal with it in an exclusive interview with the Herald Sun. Not just talking about the cloak incident, but his journey in the AFL, which began when the 20-year-old hurling star was spotted by Carlton recruiters in Ireland in 2003. I questioned myself, page 48. I assume that's the name of the, uh, the article on Sintata. Wow. <laughs> well, okay. So he was a hurling star, which explains a bit, because most of the Irish people who've come over and done well have been... Gaelic stars, right? Yeah. What's hurling? That's the one with the stick. Is hurling like lacrosse? Yeah. Yeah, it's that it's they they carry that little paddle and they run around and smack it. It's quite physical, I believe. Okay. Cuz I, I was going to say have Carlton made a major mistake. They've seen the success that other clubs have had recruiting from Ireland. <laughs> Picked the wrong sport <laughs> and gone and watched the wrong game. They like, I assume this is Gaelic football. <laughs> all right, do you want to hear Cameron Cloak's take on all this? Yes, please. Okay. So, this is just after the incident happened. Um, the Blues suspended our help in indefinitely and he faces a rare pre-season appearance at the AFL Tribunal last week where I believe he's being represented by Luke Darcy. <laughs> Look, we've all wanted to kick 
Cameron Cloak in the nuts at some stage, haven't we, guys? Yeah. I mean, look. <laughs> two for two. He's on a streak. Luke Darcy just points at Cameron Cloak and goes, you know his brother's Travis, right? Right. <laughs> Acquitted. Case dismissed. Uh, Cloak walked from the ground with bruising to his face, but is keen to move on from the incident. Um, I don't know what Cameron Cloak sounds like, so I'll just read it in my own voice. Mm. I'm fine with everything. My body's fine, Cloak said yesterday. I just think it's been blown out of proportion. We're sweet. We're fine. We're teammates. I'm just letting it roll. Al Halpin is in the last year of his contract and faces an uphill battle to retain his spot on the list. <laughs> yeah. Not a great negotiating tactic, is it really, to punch out one of your teammates when your contract's up for renegotiation? But also, like, he then went on to play, as you said, for another club. Was it GWS that he played for later? Um, but whoever he played for, how do you pitch that to the, hey, we've recruited this new recruit. It's the guy who <laughs> kicks his teammates while they're lying on the ground. Unconscious. Matches. <laughs> well, I mean, GWS makes sense. Maybe he was like t- mentoring Toby Green <laughs> before he got to the club. Right. While it had been reported that Cloak might have struck O'Halpin first with a backhander, the club acted swiftly to punish the Irishman. When asked how he felt to be kicked <laughs> in the backside... Cloak said it was a common occurrence in football. I think that what? I think everyone has had that happen, he said. I don't think the kick really touched me on the bottom. <laughs> now show us where the kick touched you on the doll. <laughs> yeah. Well, Cloak has no problem sharing the locker. We're going to bring out the statue of uh, EJ Witten. Yeah. You have to show us. Where the kick touched you on the EJ Witten statue. Well, Cloak has no problem sharing the locker room with O'Halpin. Former Carlton tough man David Rhys-Jones believes the club should axe him. The 87 Norm Smith medalist said O'Halpin's implosion provided the ideal excuse to delist him. Look, is that a fair go? And I don't reckon he's shaped up, Rhys-Jones said. If he didn't have a year of his contract to run, he probably wouldn't have been there this year. He struggled last year and down the track, I think he's going to be a major... I don't think he's going to be a major part of Carlton's plans. They can get rid of him and it would it'll be irrelevant to the team's prospects this year and in the future. Fuck, mate. Reese Jones used to lay big hits on the field. Now he's doing it in the press. Well, in his uh, credit, I guess, he was right. Carlton have uh, really continued to be shit from that moment onwards. So, if anything, David Reese Jones is some sort of prognosticator, some sort of clairvoyant with a vision of the future. Halpin, who joined the club in 2005, played 12 of his career 46 matches last season when a troublesome calf eventually forced him overseas for treatment. Reese Jones said the Blues had high hopes for the 199-centimetre, 100-kilo utility who played in Carlton's 2007 pre-season premiership. But it's not as if he's a crucial part of the club's future as a player. He's going to be so disrupt- if he's going to be so disruptive, so undisciplined and bring the club's name into question, the club may as well boot him out. Hey, nice one, Reese. Rather than wait for the end of the season. I'm going to just do a bit of a deep dive and I'm going to put Santata O'Halp- Santa- oh, fuck. Satanta O'Halpin into um, Wikipedia and see what, what other gems we can find out. What's he doing now? That's what I want to know. All right. Yeah. What's he up to? Did he go back to Ireland? Like, is he still living in Australia? Like, where is Satanta? Okay, so he's born on the 18th of March, 1983. It makes him 36 now. Um, it says his place of birth was Sydney, but I'm assuming that's in... There must be Sydney in Ireland? Well, no, I believe that he was um, He was part, uh, I don't know, Islander of some... Uh, oh, you know what? Uh, they've got, they've got, why don't we let Wikipedia tell us? 
Okay, yes. Rather than me just trying to remember <laughs> yeah. the, the details of the life of a man whose name we can't remember how to pronounce. So he played yeah, a, that is probably better to go to Wikipedia. <clears throat> he played a total of 82 games, 67 for the Blues and 15 for GW, uh, GWS. Okay, Setata O'Halpin is a Fijian Irish sportsman. He was a hurler oh, with the Cork go. senior team before becoming a professional Australian rules footballer. He is a mix of Irish and Rotuman background. His brothers, Sean Og, Tiu, and oh, I can't even pronounce these Gaelic names, Aiseke, Aiseke, A I S A K E, are also noted sportsmen. Okay, early life. Hang on, so did you say his brother is Sean Og? Yeah. He's like a really famous Irish Gaelic player, I'm pretty sure. Is it Gaelic player? Uh, he's an Irish, Irish hurler and Gaelic footballer. Sean yeah. Og O'Halpin. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realise that he was. they were brothers. Well, there you go. Um, O'Halpin was born in Australia to an Irish father and a mother of the Fijian dependency of Rotuma. The family moved to Cork, Ireland in 1988 and O'Halpin played both hurling and Gaelic football for Na... Oh, can I just skip over these Gaelic names? I'm never going to write. Na yep. Pirasai, eventually <clears throat> concentrating on hurling. In 2000, he was selected for the Cork minor team. He studied at Waterford Institute of Technology, starring in the Fitzgibbons Cup, uh, blah, blah, blah. He joined his elder brother, Sean Ogg, on the Cork team for the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Champion in 2003, which lost the final to Kilkenny. In December 2003, O'Halpin announced his move to Australia to play Aussie Rules football for the Carlton Football Club in Melbourne. This was considered surprising, as AFL recruiters in Ireland primarily targeted Gaelic footballers, and O'Halpin oh had concentrated on hurling. His younger brother uh, followed Setanta to Carlton, while elder brother Sean continued to play for Cork. O'Halpin returned to Ireland in 2004 to play for the Irish team in the 2004 International Rules Series against Australia. During this trip, he also turned out alongside his brothers uh, to play in the Cork Senior Hurling Championship. All right, his AFL career. Originally placed on the rookie list, strong performances in Carlton's VFL affiliate, the Northern Bull Ants, saw Setanta elevated to the primary list in the place of Anthony Francina during 2004. However, injury stunted his progress in that half of the season. He made his AFL debut during 2005, but had limited game time, scoring a goal with his only kick, a set shot at the end of the game. Uh, he was placed on Carlton Senior List in 2006. After playing largely in the forward line for the first years of his development, he was shifted back in early 2006. He regained regular senior selection in the late in the season, going on to play 10 games for the season. I didn't realise he was so big. So 199 centimetres, that's like Ruckman's size. 100, ki- yeah, 100 yeah, kilos. Yeah, big guy. He, be- he began the 2007 season playing full back, playing the first six games there, an injury to Cameron Cloak, <laughs> ironic, then saw a help in replacing him as the backup Ruckman. He's also been... Yeah, the, the injury was that Cameron Cloak got kicked in the nuts and couldn't play the next one. <laughs> he also had been rotated forward from the Ruck position, making him versatile. In 2007, he exchanged punches with teammate Kane Ackland at a training match. You... Oh, really? Yeah, should you want to click on that link, find out what happened there? Sure. Okay, here we go. Double blow for Angry Blue, Sintata, Sitanta O'Halpin. Again, Herald Sun. Fuck, they were just they were the Sintata Times back in the 90s. Oh, no, they don't have the article anymore. It's been deleted. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a cover-up, Charlie. Yeah. We've stumbled onto something. Why, they, why won't they release the files? All right, so punched on with Kane Ackland, who ended up playing for the Saints. O'Halpin became a crowd favourite amongst Carlton fans. His nickname, Carlos 
is derived from the similarity between Satanta and Santana. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, we made the same joke, so I guess we can't really make fun of them. No, that's, I'm happy with that as a nickname. Like Carlos, because Satanta sounds like Santana. But perfect. That's a perfect AFL nickname. Yeah. Uh, on the 6th of Feb 2009, he was suspended by the Cup Football Club for his involvement in an altercation with Cameron Cloak. His actions were scrutinized by the AFL's match review panel on the 9th of February, and he faced being forced into anger management counseling. <laughs> wow. On the 9th of February, he was suspended for four weeks after being charged with a level four offense for striking and a level two offense for kicking him in the anus. <laughs> he came uh, close to returning to Ireland during this time. No, but he was back into the side in the round five game against the Western Bulldogs. In their round 11 clash with Brisbane at the Gabba, he played his 50th game and is the, the, only the third Irishman to achieve that milestone. Well, you know what? Hats off to Santana O'Halpin. Uh, he kicked up a goal and set up... Carlos O'Halpin. He kicked up a goal and set up Brendan Favola as the Blues won by six points. Uh, he played one of his best games against the unbeaten Saints in round 12. I'm just skipping to any more tip. No, right, just to... Following his departure for Vola in 2009-2010, O'Halpin became a regular full forward, half forward in the Carlton lineup. He began to average over two goals per game, and in 2010 kicked a career-high five goals, becoming the first Irish player to do so. You know, we've been making fun of him. He's got not a he's got a fair list of highlights and credits. Uh, I mean, he's definitely got some. I'm not sure if you remember this, Will, but during the AFL trade week at the end of 2010, he was linked with in a move to the Western Bulldogs after apparently being unhappy at being dropped from the Blues side midway through the season, never getting back. Uh, but he was delisted at the end of the season. Carlton indicated they would have preferred to keep him on the list, but they were forced to get rid of him uh, due to league requirements that clubs make free changes to their primary list each season. All right, so then he goes up to GWS. Um, he played his first match in 2012 against Carlton, kicking two goals before rupturing his ACL. Oh, man. Scored five goals in his comeback injury in round four in 2013, but then he was delisted at the end of that season. In December 2013, he was appointed by the New South Wales ACT, the governing body of Australian Rules Football New South Wales, as the Multicultural Program Coordinator for Western Sydney. Since okay. 2014, he's played for Albury in the Ovens Murray Football League alongside his brother, Asaki. He was the O&M's leading goal kicker in 2014, kicking 103 goals in the home and away season. And was part of the club's right. premiership winning teams in 2014 and 2015. Well, I love that. Like, you know, because he's probably, you know, coming from Ireland in the first place, probably a kind of a country boy of some kind anyway. And yeah. he's ended up in the country just being a, an Australian country football legend. Yeah. And I just feel even worse for my impersonation now, knowing that he's a multicultural ambassador. <laughs> I've just done <laughs> potentially one of the most offensive Irish stereotypes known to man. What do you mean that you were doing an accent? You were playing actuality that we found into the podcast that Michael had cut in. Well, I'm a... I'm, as far as I'm, I'm, a, I'm aware. I'm a quarter Irish. I can get away. Can I, can I claim that, can't I? Oh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's, you're not going to be accused of green face. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wrote down some notes about things I wanted to talk about this week, Well, some things that grabbed my attention. I actually uh, prepared stuff to talk about. All right. Good. First on my list... Jasper Pittard, what's going on there? <laughs> I mean, that's I don't I don't consider 
just naming AFL players' names and then saying what's going on there as preparing for the podcast, Charlie. <laughs> Mike, Al, can you bring up a fairly recent photo of Jasper Pittard? A poten- uh, uh, preferably one where he's playing for the Kangaroos. So he was the steak knives in the deal um, that got uh, Jared Pollock over to the Kangaroos. But I haven't... S- Pollock's been good, by the way, for the Kangaroos. And so he looks like he's going to be a good recruit. And so is Jasper Pittard. But... I have never seen an AFL player sporting his specific look. He looks like he's in a goth metal band. Have you seen it with the tattoos and the hair and the pale skin? Um, I will need to see a recent photo of him to understand exactly what you're talking about here. What do you reckon Jasper Pittard's uh, nickname is, by the way? That's a name that I imagine. A- Angelina or Ange. Angie. Oh, like Pittard. Yeah, oh, yeah, Brad, okay. yeah right. Yeah, okay. Pittard. Not bad. Brad, Ange, Angie. Um, how about uh, Angry? They call him angry because he's Jasper sounds like Casper. Casper was a friendly ghost and uh, friendly got changed to angry. Yeah, I think that's good because he does. Oh, here we go. We've got an image. So just take a I mean. Oh, <laughs> right. That's not even. Michael, can you find a full length photo? Because that's not even half of it, Will. Like, exactly. That headshot is enough. That, but. That that headshot right there <laughs> looks like I'm watching a Netflix documentary about a dude who like like was in a cult with like 30 people and he killed them all in the 70s. No way. He looks like what was that documentary about? Was it the Memphis Three? Those kind of like three kids are into oh, heavy yeah. metal and stuff. He looks like yeah, one of the Memphis been Three. Unfairly framed. Yeah, that's his prison uniform, the North Melbourne top. <laughs> yeah, he does. He looks like. It, well, he looks like he's from a Netflix documentary. That's what I would say. Either a Netflix documentary about them growing weeds in the uh, growing weed in the mountains. He looks like he could easily fit into that. About some uh, heavy metal uh, fans who've been sent to prison, or the guy who's murdered a bunch of people. Okay, so that haircut is not even really up to date. I don't think he even has the mo anymore. But he's got this kind okay. of like floppish, jet black emo hair, pale skin, and these very kind of dark, like gothy. Uh, 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 um, Tattoos all over. Oh, here we go. What does this? What does this one look like? Mm. Can't quite oh, can tell from that photo. This one. But like, is he the first goth to have played AFL? Can you think of one other player who was a goth? Mm. Gee, that's a very good point. I, I can't. One doesn't immediately spring to mind. No, like Tommy Alvin. Does he count as a goth? <laughs> well, he had long dark mm. hair. He's quite pale. Yeah, but I don't think long dark hair and being pale is all you need to be a. <laughs> I have Googled, by the way, uh, goth AFL players just to see if anything came up. <laughs> and, uh, fair to say, nothing comes up. No previous, no previous Google searches on goth AFL players. I mean, if you're going to be a goth AFL player, like, what's the best team to play for? The Blues. Oh, perfect. <laughs> That's right. Of course. I mean, on so many different levels. It's got the right uniform, you know, dark, yeah. just one consistent dark colour. You're literally called the blues mm. and, you know, your record on the field is nothing but depressing. <laughs> like, but the song total, is a bit too joyful. Jo- and, and they play out of Carlton. Great place to live if you're a goth. The song is in the city of Melbourne. But the song's a bit too jaunty, isn't it? I mean, I guess all the club songs are too jaunty. Maybe you could get like, The Cure to re-record the Carlton Club song. Um, it's Friday night, we're in love. Um, so uh, we are the Navy Blues. Dun, 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 dun. Well, I reckon it's just the dun, 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 way dun, dun, dun. they why they sing it that is um, gothy. Gothy. So let's just see if you know if we read it in a different way. 
We are the navy blues. Yeah. We are the old dark navy blues. We're the team that never lets you down. We're the only team old Carlton knows. With all the champions they like to send us, we'll keep our end up and they will know that they've been playing against the famous old dark blues. I mean, that's not that jaunty if you just read it, is it? Well, I guess if you... The, like, the it could way- be somebody's poem about... Yeah, the old dark blues could be their battle with the, you know, the black dog. Yeah. And, you know, you could write that as a bit of poetry in your bedroom if you were a goth. I think it's, uh, if you, the way you read it then, if the lyrics are taken ironically, then it works as a goth song. It's kind of like, you know, Marilyn Manson's yeah. Beautiful People. You know, it's really right. just about the shallowness and the vacuousness of kind of like this club of champions or thinking that they're the only place in town. He's actually rebelling against the system. Yeah, we are the Navy Blues. We are the old dark, dark. There you navy go. blues. <laughs> yeah. We're the team that never lets you down. Well, that's dripping in irony, yeah. isn't it? It's drenched in They let down Sintatra like, Halpin, didn't they? They let down bloody Brendan down Favola, Cameron didn't Clark. they? They Well, they've let down their supporters. Supporters. They're not winning any games. Yeah. They've let down their club members. The team that never lets you down. Bullshit. And then it's like, well, we're the only team old Carlton knows. Yeah, but that's the With point, the Will. That's, they're the only team that yeah. Carlton knows. Like, no diversity. Yeah. Imagine if Carlton had more than right. one team. Wouldn't be these fat cats running the show all the time. Now, this next line also is just weird. With all the champions <laughs> they like to send us. What does that mean? With all the champions they like to send us. I think in the original conception, it would be <clears throat> Carlton sends their best and their brightest to the club. Like, they're the only mm. team in Carlton Town with all the champions they like to send us. We'll keep our end up. Well, so Santanta can kick you in the date. <laughs> you need to. <laughs> keep your end up. Open your legs yeah. and keep your end up. Now, Santanta is just going to go around the back for no particular reason. <laughs> um, yeah, so, well, there you go. Well, I, I, I think that, yeah, Goss team definitely, uh, Carlton. Okay. Me. On the, So, staying on the topic of, of players, this is what I noticed. I was watching a lot of football this weekend, and I just noticed mm-hmm. players was, the, the look of players was striking me. Chad Wingard. I couldn't put my finger on what it is about him that bothers me, but what does he remind me of? And then I realized he looks like a lost Kardashian brother. Like if you were watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians and Chad rocked up with his tats and his hair and stuff, you'd be like, oh, that makes complete sense. He's a, he's a Kardashian. You know who that is, right? Ch- Chad Kardashian. <laughs> yeah. CK. Who's that, guy? Who's that guy sitting next to Jay-Z at the basketball? Uh, Chad Kardashian. You don't know Chad Kardashian? <laughs> I mean, the name, the first name is perfect to be a Kardashian, right? Well, also, like, if he was a Kardashian, though, it would be spelled with a K. It would yeah. be K-H-A-D. <laughs> Kardashian. He just, I mean, I understand the kind of player he is, but he just, he has that kind of um, Charlie Dixon energy, doesn't he? Like, I'm sure he's a lovely guy and you see him interviewed and everything like that, but there's just something about, you feel like as... As the ball is coming into the forward line, you feel like he runs his hands through his hair before he makes a lead. Well, his name's Chad. I think he's been given an unfair run at life with the name Chad. Has there ever been a good Chad? Like, Chad just always says to me, Chad. you know, like high school teen bully d- douchebag. It's so close to Chode. Like, it's a tough <laughs> name to live with, Chad, I think. He's- the hanging Chads that ruined the election. You know, th- Chad is not like a... Chad. Chad. Like, 
Yeah, I mean, it's sorry like, to any Chads who are listening, but you've got a bad name. It's not your fault. You didn't come up with well, it, but Chad. It's like that Seinfeld joke. If you call your son Jeeves, you're really kind of damning him yeah. to one career. <laughs> exactly. Like, Chad. Chad. Who looks at a book of, like, names and goes, you know what we want to call this little baby? Chad. Is that actually his full name? Then, Mike, how can you just Google Chad Wingard and can we just find out that's not short for Charlie or Chaz or anything like that? Or, I mean, is Chad a name? I thought Chad was short for something. Chadwick? Chadwick? I mean, Chad... <laughs> we both... Chadwick, we both... Yes. I mean, I would love if his full name is Chadwick Wingard and he just started rolling with that and made the commentators always refer to him as Chadwick. He's Chad Jordan Wingard. I mean, even his middle name okay. is kind of douchey dude, bro. <laughs> Jordan. It's like he was named by the CW. He should be on 90210. Well, the CW, of course, Chad Wingard. Yeah. CW. So... <laughs> It all makes sense, Charlie. We've blown the roof off this. Um, I think that I like Wingard the way he plays, and I actually like when he's interviewed and stuff as well. I agree with you. Like he, but he's one of those guys that when you know when they talk about footballers and other footballers are a bit sus on them because they're just not like all the other footballers. Mm. You know, he marches to the beat of his own drum, that sort of thing. Uh, the thing they always say about Wingard is that he he doesn't live and breathe football, Charlie. Right. He's not one of those players that lives and breathes football. Yeah, yeah. He like he he likes that affords him a lifestyle to which he's become accustomed. Like I think he likes everything yeah. else that, around football, but he could take or leave the actual training and playing part. Well, football is a thing that he's very good at that makes him money. Yeah, that I'm sure that he enjoys playing, but he doesn't seem seem to watch or care that much about. Yeah, I mean, it feels like Hawthorne too are quite good at getting those players like I'm sure there are players at Hawthorne who bleed for that club and you know but they also are an immensely professional unit so you can go and get yourself a Jager O'Meara and a Tom Scully and a uh, uh, and a Chad Wingard and I think that for whatever reason bringing all those mercenaries in doesn't undermine your team it's understood that this is what Hawthorne does we are the most professional club going around Mate, if you want to keep the organisation, you need like you need a Captain America, but you also need a Hawkeye. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you need someone who's willing to get the job done. You know, willing to go over to Budapest and uh, you know do something that no one's going to ask any questions about. My last observation, well, Rory Lobb, favourite of the show, it's been bugging me who he looks like, and then I realised what it was. <laughs> he looks like George McFly on steroids. Oh. Oh, wow. Can you bring up Rory Lobb and a photo of George McFly, please, uh, uh, Michael? You'll see it. Wow. As soon as you see him side by side, you go, oh, totally, he's George McFly. I mean, is there any chance that in some sort of reverse back to the future <laughs> scenario that George McFly has managed to get into the DeLorean, you know, and launch himself a career in the AFL? Well, he would have also had to take some kind of super soldier serum because the size difference between... George McFly and Rory Lobb is quite different. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, but that's what... I mean, he's probably travelled into the future, got some sort of size serum, and then travelled back to play AFL. Or maybe, like, the temporal displacement causes your body to kind of, like, get gigantism or something like that. Um, all right. Here we go. Side by size. (laughs) (laughs) You see it? You can see it, right? It's like... No, he is... The Captain America, pre-Captain America and post-Captain America version of George McFly. It's eerie, like how similar they are. I mean, I just want to see someone go up to him and just like, 
grab him in a headlock and give him a noogie on top of the head. Hello? Hello, Rory? Is anyone home? <laughs> ah, well, I'm glad that you watched a lot of footy this weekend, Charlie, to get those three insightful <laughs> football revelations. Well, well, it was Game of Thrones round. How could I miss it? Um, now, I did miss it. So, was there theming around the Game of Thrones? So, this was on Foxtel, yeah. obviously, because Foxtel have Game of Thrones. And so, they made... Was it, So, was the theme of the entire round Game of Thrones in the AFL or just on Foxtel? Just on Foxtel because they're promoting okay. the upcoming season. Um, and what but it was one of those things... In- uh, it just involved like panellists and commentators dressing up in Game of Thrones costumes and some really awkward kind of... Um, uh, uh, what do you call it when, you know, like a, the photos going out to the ad break would be different players dressed up in, you know, with swords and fucking fur coats and shit. It was really, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, occasionally you have to do some publicity for your club or for your network or whatever. And occasionally you're like, oh God, I'll do it because I'm contractually <laughs> obliged, but I really don't want to be doing this. I mean, the Probably the people who had the most fun with it was uh, you had uh, Brad Johnson, Dermy, and Sarah Ollie dressing up for their Saturday night footy show. And that was probably the most extreme version where it was like Halloween on Fox footy. But they seemed to be having fun with it. And I mean, Brad Johnson too. I thought it, I thought it was a bit too much when Dermot went home and had sex with his sister. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, come on, Dermot. I know it's Game of Thrones round. but Well, Dermot was dressed up like Carl Drogo. So he was like fully shirtless with a big beard and the mascara and everything like that. Sarah Ollie was Khaleesi and Brad Johnson was Jamie Lannister. Oh, all right. So uh, sorry, I was a bit off on that. Brad Johnson went home and had sex with his sister. (laughs) Never would have seen that coming. Um, You know what I love about that also is, is there anyone who has not watched Game of Thrones? Like it's season eight. Mm. There's seven seasons of Game of Thrones. You can't just jump in at season eight. Is there anyone who's never heard of Game of Thrones, the most popular show on television, that is going to be convinced by Dermot Brereton <laughs> dressing up? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what is the logic behind that cross-promotion? People either have heard of Game of Thrones and know it's back, or is there just going to be somebody going, oh, I got the gist from Jono and Dermy. <laughs> I reckon I can just jump in at season eight. Uh, do you, you don't have Foxtel, do you, anymore? Or do you? No, I don't. I've got KO. Oh, see, this is the um, thing. So I can watch. I need to talk to you. So you know how they have their goofy promo thing every year on Foxtel. So there yeah. was head surfing and whatever garbage before that. So this year, they've got hashtag save the dribble. Have you seen any of this? No. Oh, okay. All right. So... It's they the promo is done like a lot, you know, like Live Aid or uh, um, We Are the World, where it's like all the players going into the studio to sing hashtag Save the Dribble, and it's oh, like no. Buddy Franklin and Toby Green and Jack Stephen and Danger and stuff, and they're all going up, you know, they're all got their jer- jerseys on and they're going up to the microphone and all like, you know, lip syncing hashtag Save the Dribble, and it's just like, I mean, I thought head surfing, woo or whatever the fuck they were doing. <laughs> You know, yo, you, what is it? You. I thought that was like the worst I'd done, but I think hashtag save the dribble could be, could be the most embarrassing. I've just uh, found a link uh, to a Vimeo Fox uh, sports uh, clip that goes for a minute and it's uh, entitled save the dribble. Yeah. So I'm going to uh, click on that and have a little look of uh, what's, what's on here. Um, All right, here we go. Save the dribble. It's a promo for the bounce. Hashtag save the dribble. Oh, okay, yeah. 
Oh yeah, Jack Rewalt's behind a microphone. Oh yeah, okay, Bont's. Oh Bont, what are you doing there? Oh Dustin Martin singing. Oh Mason Cox, no. Oh Nat Five too, and Eddie. Oh God, Jeremy Cameron, what are you doing? Oh Ablett, Jesus, Max Gorn. Okay, like it's every AFL superstar is in this ad. Like I thought it was just going to be like a couple of a couple of guys who are in the in the leadership group, not the captains. Yeah, I thought that was going to be padding out the numbers, but it's literally every single AFL star is in this like hashtag save the dribble, all pretending to sing. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you this without a doubt, um, Adam Trelaw uh, puts in a very good effort. Actually, has a crack and. Uh, but best votes on ground, one of our absolute favourites, JJK. Yeah. Absolutely owning it. There's a little deep bit that he mimes and then he's got the end line. Absolute natural in front of the camera, JJK. JJK, I believe, was prominently featured in Head Surfing You as well. <laughs> like, I think JJK yeah. is the first to put his hand up for these promos every year. Well, I mean, I think he's certainly the first one they must call. They'll be going, like, well, lock in JJK. And then we'll get the others, but at least we know someone who can do a couple of good lines. Although Shane Mumford's in it also, so we'll build it. We'll, also we'll had build another it. guy who can do a couple of good lines. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, you and Dusty, mate. Fucking giving Mumford what for? Um, should we take a, a, a bit of mail? Some people have really responded to our what, Simpsons characters discussion the other day, and some people sent in their yeah, own. Yeah, well, suge- let's update that then. Some people sent in their own suggestions. Good. Uh, uh, okay. So, uh, first one is from Campbell, who says, Nathan Buckley is Skinner. He was in the army, he looks like him, and he thinks he's the king of the kids. What's your response to that, Will? Well, I can imagine Eddie Maguire being uh, Principal Chalmers yeah. in regard to Nathan Buckley's, you know, Skinner. Um, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Daniel Cherney, um, the sports journalist for The Age, I was on his Twitter account the other day and he posted a good year ago um, a photo comparing Nathan Buckley with his beard to Hank Scorpio, which looks identical. So I'm not sure if we mentioned that when we did it, but hey, I think mm. Hank Scorpio is not a bad one for Bucks too. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Alex writes in and says, hey guys, massive fan of the podcast. Can't help but contribute my Simpsons character for Wusha. He is 100% Hans Molman and he's attached a meme. <laughs> He's attached a meme of Hans Molman looking up at the sun saying, well, you're certainly doing your job today, Mr. Sun. And because of the angle of his glasses, he set his shirt on fire. <laughs> I think two rounds ago, that would have been more appropriate for Wusher, but he seems to have gotten back on track. Oh, I love that though. I like that he's Hans Molman. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a good one. Good suggestion. It's from Ben. Hey guys, listening to your new episode on the bus to work and I almost yelled at the podcast like a crazy person when you couldn't put a Simpsons character to John Worsfold. So this is another a theory for Worsfold. Surely he has to be Sideshow Bob. He's always got a plan in place, but whenever he tries to move forward with another uh, with it, another rake flips up and smacks him in the face. Sideshow whoosh. I mean, again, a couple of these haven't dated that well now that Essendon are good again. Yeah. But... <laughs> Two weeks. I'll see what you mean. A long time in football. Okay, this is from Patrick. He says, okay, John Longmire equals Homer's mum. She's a bit wild when they were younger, now dependable and well-loved. People will be sad when they go or sad when they died. Or John Longmire is Homer's rich brother. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess you'd have to compare 
if it was from the perspective of, say, Brad Scott, no, hang on, mm. who is John Longwell's teammate? It'd have to be a sw- it'd have to be a North Melbourne player. Who's coaching from North? Is there any other players who played in that North Premiership team coaching? Uh, no. Adam Simpson? No, Adam Simpson would have been later than that. Dean Laidley would um, have been the last one, right? Mm, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I like Homer's mum. I think that's a good one. Homer's mum's good. Um, I just thought also I wanted to read this out. We spoke uh, a couple of weeks ago about how if people have got club songs they want to send in to us, they should do that. Oh, yes. And okay. uh, this also um, dovetails with uh, another favourite segment. This is a whisper from the West, Will. Oh, brilliant. Back for 2019, a whisper from the West uh, from Oscar, who's talking about a particular club song. So he starts off, Hey, guys. I'm from WA. My local club has an incredibly politically incorrect theme song. It has no distinct tune and changes pace no less than five times. It is sung by the Uni Football Club and the lyrics are as follows. So there's no tune, so I'm just going to read it out, okay? One, two, three. The Uni boys are we. Four, five, six. We've got them in a fix. Seven, eight, nine. We'll beat them every time. We have a high time. An old time. Tonight. <laughs> That's the first verse. Any comments? Now, firstly, I don't want to get bogged down in detail, but nine doesn't rhyme with time. But anyway, <laughs> fine. Fine. Fine rhymes with nine. Could have gone with fine, but time technically doesn't rhyme. Okay, this is verse two. Things take a turn. Drunk last night. Drunk the night before. We're going to get drunk like we've never drunk before. Because here we are, as happy as can be. Because we are the boys of the UFC. Now, just run me through the lyrics of that again. Drunk last... Drunk last night. Drunk the night before. Drunk the night before. We're going to get drunk like we've never drunk before. Well, it sounds like you're going to get drunk exactly like you got (laughs) drunk last night and the night before, to be honest. (laughs) Because here we are, as happy as can be. I think they call that denial in like stage four of AA. (laughs) I'm just having a good time, man. This party's never going to end. We put it in the song. <laughs> it should be fine. Because <laughs> we are the boys of the UFC. Okay, now okay. that's the chant. That, those first two verses were chanting. Now they start singing. Uh, oh, God. Glorious. Like Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> yeah. Glorious. Victorious. One keg of beer between the four of us. Thank Christ there are no more of us. <laughs> well, it's a weird team then. There's only four of you. Yeah, how does that work? Tough for you to actually win a game and win the. Pre- I think they've got enough kegs. Ah, oh, right. It, you know. Oh, so it's it's know, kind of like 20... the, it's kind of like the six six six, except you've got like yeah. uh, <laughs> for every four players yeah, you've right. got a keg. The, the five times four, twenty players on the list, yeah. five kegs, <clears throat> four players per keg. Uh, then it goes back to chanting, because one of us could drink the bloody lot without his pants. <laughs> Sorry, hang on. What? Because <laughs> one of us, because one of us, it says it's a chant, but the chants don't rhyme, so right. it's hard to read. Because one of us could drink the bloody lot without his pants on. Because one of us could drink the bloody lot. Roll over, Mabel. Your navel's on the other side. Roll, roll over, Mabel. Your navel's on the other side. I'm not sure what that means. Okay, I don't know. And then that, the last verse bit, is... That feels a bit murky to me. All right. We're, we're veering into Netflix documentary land again, Charlie. Yeah, <laughs> it gets very murky. I don't think I can even sing the last verse. So okay. let's just say they they close by calling themselves a specific quartet. 
Uh, they haven't had a Raja just yet, so <laughs> the last line of their chant is suck me off. Oh, oh boy. So Oscar oh. finishes by saying, recently we've added a women's team to the club, so we're in the process of changing the song to make it more welcoming. Mm. Yeah, that, that feels like a good, good move, mate. <laughs> In the process. I would speed up that process. You know how you can speed up that process? Just cut down on being drunk last night and the night before. Yeah. Just get drunk every second night. I love the podcast, guys. Go Saints. Yes, go Saints indeed. So uh, maybe we should look at um, this weekend's coming games. What do you reckon, Will? Yeah. Well, we didn't really look at the Saints game from last weekend either. We should just, you know, mention briefly talk about the Saints, mate. The bloody form we're in. It's exciting times. Um no, it was, uh, we're playing a good brand of football. You know what we're playing, Will? Team-orientated football. Do remind me a little bit of the dogs in 2016. You can see there's a genuine want and desire amongst the team to help each other out. Like, there's sort of, there's numbers around the contest. They're backing each other up. There seems to be, like, optimism around the club. It's unusual. Yeah, it's, um, they're great. I mean, it's fantastic, really, isn't it, how, how well the Saints have started. Like, I think it's a good result for, for this podcast. For the competition, <laughs> uh, for Alan Richardson, uh, you know, I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the Saints. What's the, what do you think? Is, is, is there a player who's kind of stepped up that's making a difference, or who's playing in the way that you thought they Jack Billings. should be playing? Like who's Jack Billings yeah, is the right. clear standout. Like I think Jack Billings is finally becoming the player that we all thought he could be. I mean, the problem with Jack Billings, and it wasn't his fault, is he got drafted one place before the bomb. <laughs> Which, yeah. you know, that's not his fault. He can't help what order he was picked in. Um, but it's sort of just taken him a while. I think it's taken him a while to get a get a tank to be able to run out an entire game, but also for them to know where to play him. Because they sort right. of experimented with him on up forward and then on a wing, and now he's sort of playing more midfield time. And you know what he reminds me of? He's like Sean Higgins. He's got the same skill set as Sean Higgins. Like he's... He's got great endurance. He's everywhere. He's courageous now. But he can just distribute the ball so beautifully by foot. And I think the other difference with us is that, and this is a lot of people have talked about, a lot of commentators, is last year we tried to play that crazy, frantic, play-on-at-all-costs football, which I think is great when you're GWS or you're Geelong and you can hit targets by foot really cleanly. But we have like three players in our team who can, you know, be relied upon to kick the ball well so they've stopped doing that now they just do a lot slower movement out of the back line and I think it reminds me a little bit of the Swans in 2005 you know how they kind of just slowed the game down and they just ground teams out they didn't have a lot of that they had one or two superstars but it was mainly just about role players and just grinding teams down like they interviewed Seb Ross after the game and because uh, I think we only keep, I think we kicked ten goals fourteen, so we haven't really cracked the hundred. I think we only kicked the hundred once this year. And Seb Ross said in his post game interview, um, "I hope the fans like that because I think it's going to be a lot more tight games for this year." <laughs> so I figure, <laughs> oh no, I figure that is the game plan now. Is like we're not going to get involved into shootouts. We're just going to be a lockdown, grinded out kind of team. But fuck it, after four wins last year, I'm happy. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> Yeah, it is one of those things where you're just like, oh, we'll take it. Yeah, man. We'll take it. I mean, the thing is, I can just record the game, watch it and fast forward, and just cut out all the kind of boring bits anyway. So, I mean, I don't even need to watch the game. The Saints do this thing on a Tuesday where they'll upload a video, which is just all the goals from the game, all the Saints goals. It's the best, like, three minutes of video I see every week. 
Yeah, and they've got time to fit in all the goals because yeah. it's not high scoring, so they don't have to cut out any of them. Exactly. And the clip still only goes for three minutes. No, it's exciting times. I mean, the big test will be this weekend um, against the Demons. I think every no, ever, no one is really convinced yet because they say you haven't beaten anyone. But I think when you look at where Gold Coast are now, after round one, we only beat them by a point. Well, you know, maybe they're not quite as shit as everyone thought. Um, we well, beat, I, yeah, I agree with that. We beat Essendon, who maybe were out of form when we played them, but they're playing good footy now. And Hawthorne, who... And we should mention, when we're talking about Essendon, like, T- Tip and Woody was, like, oh. just... In, like, just amazing. Wasn't he leading just, the Coleman now? Yeah, and he is a great kick for goal. Like, you know, from pretty much anywhere in any situation. And his story is amazing. Like, mm. you know, the fact that at, like, 16, he was still realistically learning, you know, how to read and write properly and do all this sort of stuff. And, you know, he was so far away from home and the way that he's... I mean, he wouldn't really even be playing in the seniors at Essendon if it hadn't been for the the drug scandal and stuff. Like, he has just turned into a superstar footballer. Walla. This is how big he is now, Charlie. Then we don't call him Tipper anymore. We call him by his actual proper nickname, which is Walla. I know. He's got to the point where, like... Because that's been his nickname since he was, like, you know, at, like at high school. Like, yeah. you know, his name's Walla. But he got to the AFL and everyone was like, nah, you don't get to choose your own nickname. Yeah. You're Tipper. And we're calling you Tipper. And now he's big enough that he can go, no, it's actually Walla. And people are going, you know, it's actually Walla. You should call him Walla. That's his actual nickname. It's Walla. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I think actually you're going to see more of that. We're already seeing it now because there are so many teams in the competition and uh, with the mid-season draft and stuff, you're going to see a lot more players from kind of the smaller leagues getting a chance. Like we've got a player at the moment playing for us, Callum Wilkie, who came in when... um, uh, Robbo was put on the long-term injury list. This guy was 23 years old playing for playing in the South, the Sandful, and he's a gun. Like, he's such a good player. Like, he's composed. He knows what he's doing. He's got the, he's got the 23-year-old, like, mature frame. So I think you might see more of that happening now. Like, you sort of look at a team like GWS and you get envious of all the kind of, like, young superstars they have. But right. out of necessity, clubs are going to be going more and more to these kind of smaller leagues. You're going to have these, like... Um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, happy stories or human interest stories or good luck stories? <laughs> what do you call them? Happy, happy humany. I don't know stories. Like a Disney story. It's like the the garbage picking, goal kicking dude from you know what I'm talking about. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right, let's look ahead to to the games this weekend. Uh, what's the yeah. first game, Michael? Uh, right, so I've got to open my message windows. So first up, it's the Brisbane Lions taking on Collingwood up at the Gabatoire in potentially a sellout. Uh, yeah, this will sell out. Uh, the Collingwood fans will make sure that this sells out. So that, I reckon this will definitely be a sellout game. Um, Dane Beams. Very hard to pick. Dane Beams taking on his old club with his older club. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, the Dane Beams Cup. I saw him um, being interviewed yesterday and he said that when he first played for the Lions against um, uh, the Pies. It was up at the Gabba. And the boos from the Collingwood fans at the Gabba were louder than the cheers from the Brisbane Lion players. I mean, it will be very confusing to know who's booing and cheering in that crowd, won't it? Um, who do you reckon wins this? Like, Brisbane... Gee, Collingwood are a really good side, but Brisbane at home... Jeez, mm. I, don't, I, don't, I actually crowd. literally don't know who's going to win this one. 
Yeah, I get the feeling Collingwood maybe just have the edge, that they're just sort of chugging along nicely, Collingwood, without really hitting their straps. Yeah. And they feel just, you know, obviously a few years ahead of Brisbane in the development. Brisbane got that wake-up call last week, but I don't know. I mean, I'd love... Look, the Lions win, big-name opponent, Thursday night football at home, then fucking the sky's the limit this year, but I get the feeling the Pies will win that. Um, I'm just going to... I think the Pies will win. So based on last week where I picked all the teams that I thought would win and none of them won, I'm going to go the opposite and I'm going to pick the Lions. Brilliant. Friday night, North Melbourne take on Essendon at Marvel Stadium. Interesting game. Both teams coming in with a little bit of form. I mean, North Melbourne's... You know, we we didn't talk about Adelaide at all, but let's just take a little, just a little pause. I mean, holy shit. Holy shit. I feel I've gone from enjoying it to now feeling sorry again for Adelaide supporters. Uh, I thought Adelaide were going to be good. I, I was one of those Everyone people. did. I bought, in, I bought into the, the hype and the idea that, no, nah, no, nah, they just had an aberration and they'll be right again. But they're no good. No. They look disinterested. To the point where Go last home. night, because I knew about the kind of, uh, what is it, collective minds or whatever it is, the, the camp that they did. I yeah. knew the stories, but I hadn't really investigated. So last night, I actually looked up a few articles and read the details of what was going on. And the fact that the playing group, the leaders went to Don Pike afterwards and said, this is garbage, we don't want to do it. They cancelled the program and then halfway through last year, brought it back again, despite the senior players yeah. saying that they didn't like it. So it is no wonder. You know what they strike me as? After the Saints lost that second grand final, the drawn grand final, 2011... We just looked shattered, heartbroken. Like a shattered, heartbroken team had just lost that will to compete. And I think that you have Adelaide in combination with that grand final heartbreak, plus this fucking strange cult-like collective minds thing that they did with the blindfolds and the kind of bringing up painful elements of someone's history and just all the ridiculous shit that went on. Like, yeah, of course there's no connection between those teammates. Yeah, and that rumour that went around that they had to hold each other's dicks. What? Now, you know, this was a rumour about the camp that was never proven by anybody, <laughs> but was like told, you know, one of those ones that's like, this is definitely true. And um, it, there's no evidence to suggest this is actually true at all. Okay. Like no one officially involved in the club has ever Confirmed. said that this is part of it. But it's like one of those things that people will tell you 100%. Well, you know what the real big thing was, mate? That in one of the trust exercises, they had to like close their eyes and reach to like hold each other's coins. I've been told that story by so many people with the, this definitely happened. And me just going, that can't have happened. That can't have happened. There's, There's no, no fucking way. way. There's no way that that would have happened without somebody going, you know what? Nah, I don't reckon. I really want to win the premiership, but. I don't reckon this is the way to do it. I mean, there's no way that I'd rather get I'd rather get Satanta O helping down here to give me a good good kick in the groin rather than this. There's no way that happened, but it's kind of like the Richard Gear gerbil story. Like, even if it doesn't yeah. happen, the fact that it's now out there, it might as well have happened because that's what I'm all I'm going to be thinking now every time I see them playing. Well, that's it. That's all I think when anybody mentions that preseason camp. And I know that it's like a implanted memory. It's an inception memory. It didn't actually happen, but I remember it as if it happened. It's kind of like the baby elephant walk, right? Isn't that like a college hazing ritual? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess 
Yeah, I, I mean, look, they do do some weird things at football clubs, but I can't imagine that was true. Oh, that's weird. Oh, sorry, guys. We've actually got, uh, we meant to get collective minds and we've got collective groins. They're a completely different organisation. I'm so sorry. This is just a, it's an admin error. Um, okay. So North Melbourne take on Essendon at Marvel Stadium. North uh, got the first one on the board against a uh, very cock-handed Adelaide football club. <laughs> cock-handed. Uh, and Essendon who are way in form so you feel like the form sheet tells you Essendon should win that so are you going to tip North? Uh, I'm going to say yep yep yep, North North Melbourne so you're doing the George Costanza approach where yeah I'm Costanzaing it this round North Melbourne win okay I'm going to pick the Dons in that game over at Optus Stadium the Eagles take on Port Uh, disappointing Port. Port Oh, right. Port. Okay. <laughs> oh, bang, lock him in. Okay. Going to Western Australia to play in their current form? Lock it in. <laughs> Port, do you want to Port, give it the official Adelaide. hot hands? That's my lock of the week. Brilliant. Uh, I'm going to pick the Eagles in that game. I think I'm going to like win this round. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that's what you'd think. I will say this about Port, that Rockcliffe is their shining light. He's, you know had that season where he obviously needed to get fit and get ready, but he's playing amazing this season. Well, Port, I'm going to say Port. Port aren't actually playing that badly. They're just not winning games, if that makes any sense. Uh, in Canberra, the Giants take on Frio at the University of New South Wales. Uh, well, you're picking Frio in this game, aren't you, Will? <laughs> well, I mean... I mean, you don't, I mean, this is the thing. You don't have to commit to this policy. No. No, I, I think... I think it'd be lunacy to just commit entirely. I'm going to say that GWS win this one. <laughs> I've already had my loony lock of the week, okay. thinking that Port will beat West Guys. So I think GWS will win this. I reckon Port are going to win now. I've got a feeling. Uh, I'll pick the Giants in that game too. Uh, final game on Saturday is uh, the Demons taking on the Saints at the MCG, the Saints' first run on the G for this year. And Melbourne coming into a bit of form. Mm. Uh yeah, but they were playing well Sydney, who just looked like Sydney. It's the first. It's eerie seeing Sydney looking as bad as they are. It's 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 so long since you've seen a shit Sydney team. I know it's it's it is weird, isn't it? You kind of just like you can't believe it with mm. Sydney. They're one of those teams where you go, nah, 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 they'll yeah. be fine. But maybe they're not going to be fine. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like when you see a band that's like you know done a reunion tour or something. You're like, oh jeez, they look so old. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Ugh. Um. I, I reckon uh, I'm, I'm going to go to the Saints. I'm going to stick to my policy that I had the exception with GWS. <laughs> but I think Melbourne will probably win, but I'm going to say the Saints. Okay. Plus also, you know, Melbourne. Yeah. So. <laughs> Saints. Saints for me too. <laughs> Richmond take on Sydney at Marvel Stadium. Uh, the, re- the rejuvenated Tigers. Um. Dylan Grimes's Richmond Football Club taking on Sydney at Marvel. Uh, you just got to feel that Richmond will win that, don't you? I mean, you should tip Sydney. You do Sydney. have to feel that, but but I'm going to tip Sydney. <laughs> oh, I love this. Why not? <laughs> on Sunday, the Western Bulldogs take on Carlton at Marvel Stadium. Oh, I'm going to tip the Bulldogs for that. Um, yeah, well, it makes sense. Um, I'm going to tip Carlton because I believe uh, the spirit of Santanta O'Halpin... <laughs> will inspire the boys to a real date-kicking victory over the Bulldogs. And that's my luck of the week.
Adelaide takes on the Gold Coast at uh, Adelaide Oval. Um, I mean, you've got to think Gold Coast are a real shot, right? If Gold Coast win this match, they will burn down the Adelaide Oval. Yeah. I'm sorry. Adelaide will just not allow it to happen. If Adelaide lose this game, the players should be forced to all huddle in the middle, lower their yeah. pants, Pets. take the teammates' penis, and baby elephant walk all the way to the dressing rooms. But in the opposite direction. Yeah. They have to, should have to reach in the opposite direction to what they did to undo the curse. Yeah. <laughs> They should play the Richmond theme song backwards and all hold each other's groins in the opposite direction and try to unlock the curse of the collective minds preseason camp. Uh, the last match of the round, traditional rivals, always a belter. Hawthorne take on the Cats at the MCG. <clears throat> hard game to pick, but you know, seeing that I'm going for Geelong for the Premiership, I'm going to say Geelong. Is it really a hard game to pick? I mean, Hawthorne had so many injuries last week and they've already to add yeah, to Yeah, I think Hawthorne... I think Hawthorne are a good side. They've just had a little bit of bad luck, I reckon. Um, all right. Well, you sold it to me. I'm going to pick Hawthorne then. I was going to pick the Cats, but you talked me into it. I'll pick Hawthorne. Well, my tips have been all over the place. So I'll either fluke it and go really well or could get zero out of nine. Um, right. Uh, you've In the final days of your show, right, Will? Yeah, I am. Uh, actually, so when people hear this, yeah, Wednesday through uh, Sunday, so five shows left. Wednesday and Thursday are pretty much sold out. There might be a random ticket left, but they're pretty much sold out. So really, uh, Good Friday, Easter Saturday, uh, Easter Sunday, last three shows. Um, it's it's a really fun show, so please come and see it. That'd be great. And if you want to check out some other podcasts that Will and I do together and separate from each other, you can go to tofop.com. If you'd like to send us a message, we've got a Facebook page, Two Guys, One Cup on Facebook. So you can send us a message with your club's particular theme song or if your ideas for uh, what Simpsons characters AFL players represent or if you can think of another goth AFL player that we've missed. I'd love to, I'd love to hear, it, hear from you. So um, I think that's it, Will. Play on, not 15. Ball. We are two guys, one car.